Oh, like stamp collecting. No, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. Live from standing in front of the teller here at the Silicon Valley Bank trying to get my money out, this is the award-winning stamp show here today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. This is episode, I don't know what episode this is. I think Hmm. it's like number 390. We're coming up on number 400, though. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. You can support this witless Taj by joining the Stamp Show Here Today community. The cost is only $10 for a lifetime membership. You can mail us a check from the Silicon Valley Bank if you want. And uh, we will wait and see if it cashes. This is Lord Cash. This is Financial Regulator Mark. This is Sir Jim. And this is Jeff. Just, just Jeff. He's still having given us ten bucks. Huh? He, he's no. still, he's still out on the peasant farm. He's uh. a lovely surf. <laughs> so the reason we are bringing up Silicon Valley Bank is it's just in the news. Of course, when you're hearing this, it's a week old news. So, yeah. but I wanted to go over it a little bit because it has a lot to do with the stamp market. Uh, like I said, I don't know for the last year and a half. When the rece- when recession occurs, the bottom drops out of the bottom of the stamp market. Cheap stuff becomes very cheap. It drops in value. With inflation, the top of the market grows fantastically. Um, it really goes up in value. We are currently seeing exactly that going on. And this is before the Silicon Valley Bank actually collapsed. Um, there have been a couple auctions where the prices have just been incredible. And Mark even commented on some of them where he's not able to buy stuff. Well, you're not able to buy stuff at the price you want to pay. Right, yeah. And on eBay, it's exactly the opposite where the lower end stuff, and I'm talking about like, my favorite one to criticize is the number 73, the two cent Andrew Jackson blackjack stamp. It's notoriously terribly centered. It catalogs 60 bucks. It's worth about five. And you're starting to see it go from that $10 down to that $5 and lower. So, you know, just, I'm just picking one stamp as a benchmark, but it kind of reflects everything where cheap stamps are getting cheaper, expensive stamps are getting much more expensive. Um, With Silicon Valley Bank, Basically, the reason why this matters is that the Federal Reserve is, for a long time, everybody has said, there's not going to be a lot of inflation. The Federal Reserve is going to get it under control. With Silicon Valley Bank, it really showed everybody that they do not have the ability to get this under control. And as soon as it's the unanimous opinion, well, not a unanimous, it's the majority opinion that inflation is going to stay or be high. That's when people start looking for alternative investments, including stamps, big time stamps, big time coins. And so I think that if what happened continues, we will continue to see the upper end of the stamp market growing as inflation puts these pressures 
and people want to put their money into stuff that has a history of holding value. So, uh, anybody have any comments on that? How about you, Jim? The uh, Oh, you had a great comment on <laughs> one of the stamps you were expertising on. Go ahead and make a comment and then tell them about that stamp. Well, uh, the stamp was a uh, just, it was a U.S. stamp, but it had a corner that was um, almost coming off. So in my description, I just said the upper right corner is holding on for dear life. <laughs> and <laughs> cash like that description. So, <laughs> oh, we, When uh, actually Dawn, who has a cold and doesn't have a good voice right now, she goes, cash, look at this expert opinion. I go, that's a great expert opinion. Corner perf holding on for dear life. Yeah. That's a great one. And I'm not sure, you know, you see the those corner perfs pulled a lot of times because they're very, very delicate Yeah. when they're cut real close. So I'm not sure it would even affect the grade. I don't remember what the grade was, but yeah, it was just barely hanging on. As far as the bank goes, I'm just worried about my own money, you know? Aren't we all? Well, there was a great Babylon Bee that said a uh, person very, very confident now because he pulled his money out of Bitcoin and put it into the bank. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> it, put it, it says, just feel better with it there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I think, I think most of us probably had that same reaction, especially when we heard about it on Friday, which was when the Fed was not going to guarantee those loans or those uh, accounts. Well, they guarantee uh, the Federal Reserve insures deposits up to 250000 right. The thing with Silicon Valley Bank, and by the way, there's two other banks. So it's not just Silicon Valley Bank, it's two other banks. But Silicon Valley Bank had a lot of deposits from companies. Mm -hmm. And so way more than $250,000. These, these companies had millions of dollars deposited there and they needed quick access to them. And now they're not getting any access to them whatsoever, and it's over the two hundred fifty thousand. So that money's just gone. Yeah. Yep. And that and that's the thing. How many banks are also um, holding T bills? Because that was a big issue with this bank. I think was the fact that the T bills had dropped twenty five percent. Well, it's the bonds actually. The, I'm sorry, yeah. the bonds. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Treasury bonds. Excuse me. Yeah, just to go into uh, the economics, I'm going to try to make this really simple and really quick. The, the government says you have to insure your deposits. You have to make sure the people can get their money out. And so what they said was you can go ahead and buy government bonds and hold those and get a little bit of interest. And we will count that 100%. So if you have... A million dollars will give you a million dollars of credit against your reserve requirements. Well, what happened was they had these. They had great reserve requirements. They literally were one of the strongest banks in the country. But, <clears throat> as, but as soon as the depositors wanted their money back, a run, it was a run on the bank. And they said, oh, now we have to sell these bonds. These bonds are on our book at full price, but now we're selling them. We can't get full price because 
you know, we bought them when interest rates were one percent, and now they're four percent. We're taking a thirty-three percent haircut, and so when they had to sell this stuff, they were not able to get enough money. They weren't able to give the people the money that they deposited. They shut the doors and said, hey, you know, anybody who's seen It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, exactly the same thing. <laughs> it's exactly the same thing. Well, your money's not here. It's in Harry's house. <laughs> you know, it's, in, uh, it's in this bond. Yeah, exactly. It's not in Harry's house. It's over sitting in the Federal Reserve. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so That's my comment anyway on the financial situation is I'm only concerned about my financial situation. Well, and again, being <laughs> stamp collectors, you know, we are interested in this because what was the uh, the survey? 19% of collectors are interested in the amount of money that they're going to get. The, the actual, um, or, I'm sorry, 76%. 19% don't care. 76% care. And the other ones are just like, we are solid investors. We don't care about collecting at all. We just want to get money back. Um, so if 76% of the people care about selling their stamps and maybe not making money, maybe just getting their money back, you know, they want to look at this. Yeah. And so, like I've said, you know, now is the time to either save up your money and then buy the cheap stuff or buy the expensive stuff now because it's going to be much more expensive in the future. I, I did the same thing with covers several years ago. You know, we're back to my milieu there, but um, I decided that I could sell $105 covers or I could sell one $500 cover. And I... Yeah, it's probably easier to do sell the one five hundred dollar cover. There's probably a market for that more than trying to sell one hundred five dollar covers. And um, I think that's kind of the, what we're talking about here. Is you just have to decide: do you want? Um, yes, except that that one five hundred dollar collector uh, cover that you sold is now worth ten thousand or something. Yeah, yeah. and those five dollar covers they're still worth five dollars. Yeah, yeah. No, that th there's there's a that that's what Cash is talking about when it comes to stamps is you know do you if you buy up the low market stuff because the prices have gone down you will get money back eventually on that um, as when the market kind of recovers a little bit but the high end stuff um, probably although it goes down it, when the uh, oh, it's been going down, down for decade. decade, yeah. But zero percent interest rate, you know, that's that is not good for investing in stamps. When I when I was a beginning collector in my youth, you know, I owning a really nice number one, I did, it was out of my league. I couldn't afford it. Now, you know, I bought several of them because I've decided. Well, that, I now I own a number one. You know, and now I own a number two. So um, if I don't get my money out of it, I, I probably got the joy of collecting it. But I expect that I will get my money back on those items as the market tightens up and inflation keeps going. Well, but, yeah, I mean, it, but it, it's, it, it kind of depends on what the federal government does now. Because mm -hmm. yeah, for the longest time, savings has been just ridiculous. But now... 
because the the Fed has been raising the rate, you can buy a Treasury bill at five. You know, you get five percent, which still doesn't cover inflation, but it's a return. But now you're afraid to even put your money in the bank. <laughs> so, you know, is it truly uh, is it truly the 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 right time to buy um, high end uh, philatelic material? Well, is it the right time to save your money? And that's the real tough one is, mm-hmm. do you want to save your money or do you want to spend it? Right. And with inflation and, you know, the, the posted inflation rate, which I don't see, I think it's too low. But when they post 8%, that means if you save your money, you're losing 8%. Right. Yeah, if you well, if you're getting yeah, you're losing three percent if you're saving it at, at five percent. Yeah, if you're buying a bond, that's, right. or, but most people are saving bill, yeah. money inside of the bank, right? That's paying them, you know, yeah. zero two and a half percent or something like that, right? <clears throat> so, uh, enough on economics. Let's talk about storing stamps. Hmm. Well, I came across the uh, received my new issue of the American Philatelist, the monthly journal of the APS. And Join the APS. It's worth absolutely. Absolutely, I've been, a, I've been a member for so long. But cash couldn't even. Uh, there wasn't enough <laughs> digits. There were too many digits for the number. Mine, mine had start with zeros. Um, in the middle, there is a librarian's guide to basic preservation, and I thought we could revisit um, this um, topic, although we've talked about it in many different settings. Never all together in one podcast. So basically, the the author of this um, article is Alicia Leathers. She's the librarian for the uh, APRL, which is the American Philatelist Research Library. And rather than talking about conservatory methods which go a little bit beyond just the storage, goes to restoring or preserving things that are deteriorating. Um, She has broken down into different topics I thought we could discuss. The first one is environment. And that's basically where are you storing these stamps? So let's talk a little bit about that. well, here in Nevada, it, it, w- there are two extremes. Let's let's take a person who lives in upstate New York and a person who lives here in Nevada. We are at the two extreme ends of dryness, but we both have exactly the same problem, which is humidity. I just expertized a stamp from the canal zone that had tropical gum, mm-hmm. tropicalized gum, which is a condition... Basically, it's not mishandled, it's not um, hinged in any way, but it's stuck to the interleaving in post-production, in storage in the post offices. And we see that in Hawaii, we see that in any of the tropical areas where the gum just gets disturbed. So Yeah, they, they put an interleaving between the sheets. Right. Which is great for a couple of years. Now it's 50 years later that interleaving has sunk into the gum. Just from the moisture in the air. Yep. So 
um, she suggests, you know, don't store your um, your collection or your stamps in the garage. Oh, terrible. Yeah. Don't store your stamps in a um, humid place without air conditioning, which will take the moisture out of the air, certain percentage anyway. So um, heat has the other effect. Heat will b- cause the paper to get brittle over time, and we've all seen that too. So, yeah, you have to pay attention. For decades, I only collected used stamps because I didn't want to monkey with the gum. Gum is hard to store. Yep. And uh, frankly, it's easier in Nevada because, you know, we have the dryness, which has its drawbacks. Except it's today. Significant. Yeah, it, today. It's it raining. raining today. Yeah. yeah. Um, in, I know several people who live in the Northeast. And they have big problems. And uh, I have talked to a couple of them. You know, my stamps stuck to the page. What do I do? And my suggestion is always the same. The number one thing you have to do is when you see that occur, you put them in the freezer. And you let them sit in the freezer for a day or two. I mean, you want it to be basically frozen. And the freezer will remove humidity, and also sort of shrink, you know, expansion and contraction, you may be able to rescue the stamps and lift them off. You know, they'll pop off whatever they're stuck to. They'll exhibit disturbed gum? Uh, Sometimes sometimes you can get away with them coming off clean. Mm -hmm. Uh. Oh, one of the terrible things, and I was looking at a French collection, and all the gum had been stored in some sort of amount, and then the humidity got into it, and you just see the gum is all blotchy and wavy, and that's strictly from poor storage. Well, we talked uh, a few weeks ago, we had the curled up stamps Mm -hmm. that... uh, we the saw tube, the tube. tube stamps that were actually literally rolled up like a cigarette or something. Smaller, yeah. A yeah. Little, little, little cigarette. And um, all, also this is caused by humidity and improper storage. So obviously in an album, on a page, in a uh, mount that is, we're going to be talking about in a minute, but... In a, in a proper mount, keeps the stamp flat, keeps the uh, light and the humidity or the heat and the humidity away from it, and you're going to have a much better, longer life on your collection. I think one of the reasons that we see so few really pristine stamps anymore is a lot of them have been over the years mishandled, and and she addresses that a little bit because what used to be standard procedure is no longer considered safe for the paper or the stamp. I heard something about some of these high-quality binders, you know, out of Germany, that after a few years, there's something, some chemical, even though they say they're archival, that they're still coming off, uh, you know, with some degradation on the gum. 
Have you heard anything about that? Because supposedly you're paying a lot of money and for you know your stamps to be uh, well taken care of, and they turn out to have these uh, problems later on. So uh, the author, this Alicia Leathers, points out that um, there's interest, intrinsic liabilities in some of these older uh, practices. Um, some of the watermark fluid that was used years ago um, may or may not be harmful now. Um, we've talked about um, what we use here, um, which seems to be catching on pretty good, is the yellow rosinol. But whatever, you know, you, you, some of them were detrimental to the stamp. Some of them were detrimental to the stamp collector. Yeah. <laughs> you get it in your lungs or something. Also, um, gum is a, a usually attracts uh, insects. So if it's improperly stored, again, back to the garage or maybe just, you know, uh, in a bug-infested room that you don't even know you have the bugs. Oh, yeah. G glue is uh, starch-based yep. and uh, very, very tasty. It's kind of like moths eating up all your sweaters over the summer. Yeah. So same kind of things. Mark, you got any experiences with uh, environment? Uh, I can tell you that um, that the uh, environment definitely uh, affects the face of the stamp on uh, on stamps that are colored yellow, orange, sometimes red, um, or uh, or in a uh, some of the brown shades. Um, and as my understanding is, is that it's mostly stamps that are stored in the northeast where you have, um, you know, oil furnaces, that type of thing, you get... Um, you have more sulfur in yeah. the atmosphere. Right, yeah, more sulfur in the atmosphere. So the stamp gets sulfurized. Um, that's That doesn't actually happen as much um, uh, here in the West, but uh, but you have uh, you have certain types of... Uh, of, of um, Vinyl stock books and so forth oh, that yeah. uh, that will introduce that uh, to the stamp. So you think you're protecting, you know, your your six thirty eights or your seven twenty threes, your C ones, and uh, you know by putting them in these stock books, and uh, and a year later they're all discolored from sulfurization. Well, that's like uh, PSE. We use this black card. That is a philatelic card. You have to, if you have a U.S. number 10 or 11 or 25 or 26, a C1, any orange stamp, um, any yellow stamp, you got to get them off that card. Put them inside of a glassine and then put the glassine in the card. And that's what I do with all my U.S. number 11s. Even though it's a stamp collecting card, it discolors because... It's a soft plastic. The white, the plastic, plastic is softened by adding sulfur to it. And again, you know, we, we were talking about the wonder screen for months and, you know, I stopped talking about it cause you know, we ran out, but the, uh, the wonder screen was for fixing sulfurated stamps. What happens is sulfur combines with lead. So lead is used to lighten the colors. 
you get your oranges, you know, your C1, your first stamp of, uh, your first Amaro stamp is really bright orange because they added lead to the pigment. Well, now that lead is going to grab sulfur molecules when they float by. And it's going to turn that really nice orange into a dirty brown. Again, we used to use the one, or we've talked about the Wonder Screen quite often. What it is is uh, you put hydrogen peroxide underneath it. You put the screen on top so that the stamp doesn't fall in the water. Because H2O2 is basically water with an extra oxygen molecule. The H2O2 evaporates, turns into H2O, water. Floats up, the extra oxygen replaces the sulfur molecule, and you restore the color of the stamp. That's why, uh, and Jim brought this up, he used to talk about the discoloration being called oxidation. And in actuality, oxidation is how you fix it. So uh, that, you know, you go back and listen to the Wonder Screen. I still I have one sitting right here in front of me right now. Um, and, you know, it's just a way to fix it. But if you can prevent it from happening at any point, it, do that. And the number one is like, you know, if you get a stamp back from PSE, Put it in a glassine, then put it back in the card. Don't have it directly on the card. You will discolor your stamps if they have lead in the pigment. Yeah. And so the conclusion in that, epi- in that section of the article is, is if the room feels comfortable to you, it probably feels comfortable to your stamps. Yep, that sounds good. So there you go. Yeah. You should sleep with I like that one. collection. I like that one. Yeah. Okay, so the next section was light. How does light affect stamp color? Oh, that's a great one. That's sunlight? Yeah. I have a great story about sunlight. Well, tell yours before I'll tell mine. Okay. So I bought an old, old map, the 1850s map, that showed the Western territories. So it showed Nevada in a shape that it is not in now because Nevada originally was parceled off of two different states. So actually three different states. So it was a very cool map for a guy from Nevada. And I got it archival uh, framed with the UV frame and everything. But the mistake I made was I didn't move it. I left it where it was constantly in the evening sun. And now I have a very, instead of this bright, vibrant colors, I have this very blah pastel, almost yellowish-looking map. Well, the map's still there, but the color's gone. And this is one of the first things she talks about in her article is, in museums, no matter how much UV protection they put on and how much they go to, they still, if they're displaying those items, they rotate them. They move them from place to place to at least eliminate some of the effects of sunlight from one area to another. So that's an idea if you've got your valuable stamps in your den or something and are showing them off or a cover or whatever you've got. Whatever it is, if it has color, you probably don't want it in direct light. And the archival type of uh, 
glass that they use still will not protect it 100%. So you have to move it. You have to move it around. Well, mine, I have two stories. First one is uh, Pigeon Blood Pink, number 64B. And what defines it, if you sort of get into it, is it had the normal color. It had a little bit of blue pigment to it and a little bit of yellow pigment to it. Now, the blue and the yellow did not combine to make green. That's kind of an interesting point of this. But what occurred to both of them is they were both susceptible to UV light. And it is my opinion, along with several others, that the 64Bs, all the stamps that were printed in 1861, in August and September 1861, they were all pigeon blood pink. The problem is, is that as they were subjected to light, they turned from pigeon blood pink to just pink. And then from pink, they turned into rose pink. Right. And then if you kept them inside the sunlight, they've turned from rose pink into rose. So you literally... And, if, if and you, the magic uh, matte peroxide doesn't work on those no, stamps. No, no. Because this is light. This, this, this destroys the pigment, yeah. yeah. So if you, you want to go out and buy a stamp for a lot of money and turn it into a stamp that isn't, get a pigeon <laughs> blood pink stamp, put it on your porch for a day... And in the end, it'll go from pigeon blood pink to being a 25-cent U.S. number 65. I have my reference copy on the 64 and the rose. What's the rose pink? 64B? Yeah. Um, my reference copy is a cover with one of each on the cover. And they're on opposite ends. So the cover was mailed with one stamp. And then it was forwarded with another that was put on the opposite corner. And I've got a certificate that says one si the one on the left is a 64B and the one on the right is a 64. <laughs> that probably was the difference in when the envelope was mailed and when the stamp was added just a few days. It, probably that's what happened. And... Anyway, that's, that is not um, uncommon with that issue. And that's the most dramatic one I can think of, although there's others. Now, actually, the most dramatic, in my opinion, and we were getting these for quite a while, uh, people from Israel. And there are a couple, there's a, this time period in the late 1970s where they used this yellow ink, which was very susceptible to UV light. And so we were getting, look, yellow omitted. And it's like, yeah, we cannot see any yellow. The question is, why is the red so orange now and the green is like bluish? It discolored the entire stamp. The entire stamp changed color and that particular color went away entirely. And so that's one of the things that, and again, I see it mostly with yellow. If you want to get rid of yellow ink on a stamp, you know, you want to have a color omitted, find a stamp that has yellow, put it in the sun, and the yellow goes away. The problem is, is that it affects all the other colors also. So you do not have a normal colored stamp in the end. The next topic is handling 
how to handle stamps. Oh, that's easy. You lick your fingers. And yeah, you, you just stick and pick up. So the, <laughs> there's two things here that I kind of learned something from. The first was that um, it is better to use your bare hands when you're handling stamp than a gloved hand. Now, although that kind of goes opposite to what we see on television when the police are handling evidence, but um, if you're wearing gloves, you're you're not as uh, you you can't feel what kind of pressure you're putting on the stamp, and you might snag a perf or something. So hmm. she suggests using bare hands. Clean your hands, obviously. Don't eat dinner and handle your stamps at the same time. But she says if you have to use tongs, which most of us do, you have to be careful not to hold them so tight that you get either a dent or a crease. And we've seen a couple of those stamps come through where there's actually been a um, tong dent. A divot. It looks like a divot in the middle of the stamp where somebody has picked it up too hard with their tongs and um, given it a little bump. Yep. So you have to be real careful with that. Um, I, I like the part about handling larger items and documents. One of the things we do here is whenever we get a larger piece than fits on a normal 3 by 5 type of card, there's a backing to it. I expertized a, a white plane sheet last night. Last, Yeah, last night. And PSE gave me this to expertize. There was two cardboards in it, front and back, plus it was on a, um, in a uh, souvenir sheet size um, cover. You know, a, not a cover, but a, a plastic, plastic holder. holder. But the two pieces of cardboard, which were eight and a half by eleven type cardboard, were bracketing that item so that it was solid. I mean, you'd really have to mishandle it to bend it with that. <laughs> you could, but you'd really have to be mishandling it. The point is, is that any document that has been folded, um, don't open it and reopen it and refold it. Open it up flat and leave it flat. Because the more you fold it, the more you do damage to the document itself. Absolutely. Eventually create it, make a break. And you've seen those pictures in, in different magazines. And you may have some covers like that or some paper at home where they've separated. And mm -hmm. there's two pieces. Then that's the tricky part because what do you do with those two pieces? Well, you get the scotch tape out and you put it across there because this is Jeff's favorite topic, <laughs> scotch, tap, scotch tape. Well, you know, one of these days we should also talk about how to properly separate stamps because I have seen so many destroyed, destroyed perfs. perfs. Do it. Because, do it right now. Okay. This is the place because well, we're talking about handling. Um, what I've learned is, and it's kind of crazy, and I don't know why this happens, especially with coils, is let's say you want to separate a coil. Um, the best way that I have found is to fold it towards the gum. And after you fold it towards the gum, you take your fingers and you squeeze it back and forth very tightly. Just keep going back and forth and be back and forth. But then what most people do is they have the stamp facing heads up. I turn it upside down. 
and then I slowly separate it. Now, it seems to make a difference. I have no idea why, but I've had the cleanest perf separation since doing that. And before what I'd been doing with a heads up, I was getting all kinds of torn perfs. But uh, Do you use a straight line, or do you just fold it a couple of times to no, work in the paper? No, 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 no. I try not to do that wiggle stuff. I like to just, towards the gum, squeeze it really good, and then turn it upside down and separate it flat on the table. Okay. In other words, don't do any curling or back and forth stuff. Just because you will get, you will get little bins in the purse. And also, there's a way to get really beautiful long purse. If you know when you fold it, just move it up a little bit. Of course, you're going to destroy the other stamp. But boy, can you get beautiful uh, purse on both sides of the the coil pair if you uh, do it that way. And I would add, practice that technique with something you don't care about. Yeah, because, yeah exactly. Yeah, because you can develop a pretty good technique. Anything else on that? Nope, can't think of anything. That was a good, that was really good. Yeah. Because I think a lot of collectors, we mishandle it inadvertently. Especially dealers. Yeah, we just don't, we don't know it or we're just taking, not taking enough time. You know, you don't know... And, and especially if you're putting it in um, storage, which is the next well it, housing, when, which when is it, your which is your mounts and so forth. Oh well, you know me and well, uh, speaking as an exhibitor. Yes, mounting on an exhibit is one of the tough things to do because first of all, it's going to be hanging upright for a long period of time. So you have to make it mount it securely, but you can't do it too securely because then you're going to damage the items. So what do they talk about for mounting? Cause there's a difference between mounting in an exhibit and mounting in an album. Well, this is, this article is based, you know, is directed toward collectors. Well, collector's so, exhibit. Well, I know, but there was no exhibit things in the article. No, but okay. let's talk about a couple of the things they recommend, then we could come back to that. Because I, I agree with you, Ed, that is a different type of ball game all the way. Um, don't trust the label archival. That's, well, I thought that was interesting. Um, it says, there. Look for items that are labeled in order of pref preference, acid-free, lignin-free, buffered, or archival. Because none of the terms have legal significance, but archival is the least descriptive and most easily abused by manufacturers. Which explains why my archival I <laughs> didn't deter life. So we're looking at acid-free paper and buffered or lignin I don't know what that is. Legion free? No. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I just mumble through that. You can. You know, doesn't have lignans in it, or it wasn't made by lignans. I don't know. I mean, it could be I a don't racist know what that thing. Is. I mean, okay. anti-lignanism. Maybe maybe you better strike all of that conversation. We'll get back. To that. Well, hold on. <laughs> I, I have a funny feeling that Mark is doing a quick research here. He is. He's going to tell us what lignin is. Lignin is a complex organic polymer deposited in the cell walls of many plants, making them rigid and woody. So we want to be free of that, whatever it is. 
So also, she says, sometimes it'll uh, paper begins as acid-free, but it tends to lose the property over time and has to be replaced, which is something I did not know. Well, I, I actually know that because when I mount an exhibit, it goes on the paper. Yes. And then you put the paper inside of a plastic sleeve, this big, huge plastic. Mm-hmm. If you've seen an exhibit, you see them. They're, they're all in plastic. Um, that plastic will, the, the paper may be great. The plastic ain't great. No, it'll <laughs> degrade it. Yes. Yeah, and that's, so the basic for pla- plastics is currently the best polyester is Mylar, and she got, got um, Milenix, vinyl and PC, which stick and transfer print over time. So for plastic, you want to stay away from vinyl and PC and use Mylar. And actually, the rule on that sort of is the harder the plastic, the better it is. The softer the plastic, the more supple the plastic, the worse it is. Which is interesting because a lot of the sleeves that they have for covers are in those little, they're in that category of very pliable. Yep. And they're seldom as mylar. And you actually want the ones that are harder. Yeah. I have some that are like, you could play hockey with them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, those have turned yellow for some reason. The the baseball (laughs) card people, they have it. They know what they're doing. They have the hard, hard plastic ones that they slide the card into, Mm -hmm. which you shouldn't slide the card into them because, you know, that's a way to bang up corners and destroy the value. But they have these really super hard uh, plastic, and that's really super safe for stamps. Yeah, I use um, those kind for my postcards. Yep. They're they're really good because they're uh, rigid enough that they don't bend the card corners. The other thing that um, uh, this probably goes without saying, although we all have fallen criminal to this at one time or another, <laughs> fallen victim to it, and that is if the if the mount and or the plastic in the uh, sleeve for your covers is turning yellow or has a yellowish tint to it, uh, no, don't use that. <laughs> um, actually... It sort it sort of goes both ways. Yeah. Like you'll see this on old glassines. Old glassines turn sort of yellowish. Actually, that prevents the stamp from turning yellowish. The glassine will absorb the problems so that the stamp doesn't. Well, the glassine I think is different than what they're talking about. They're talking about the plastic um, mm. cover holders and things like that. You don't use yeah, that. I don't know the mount. Yeah, they, they turn yellow. Um, oh, I've seen them turn yellow. Yeah. I, I broke down several collections of first day covers that were in um, the presentation albums that were sent out by the people like Fleetwood or whoever. And you have to be really careful because I've damaged many of the stamps on the covers because they stick to the mylar they, yeah. or, or the vinyl, the PVC, and, and it ruins the cover. So if they get sticky or anything, this is warning signs for you to. And the same the same thing goes with albums. If the pages start to yellow or something on the album, probably time to get them off of that on something else. Old albums when you buy old collections and there's old albums, like at least maybe seventy five to a hundred years old, get them off that paper. 
Yeah. And and the real key to that is you can see the foxing on the edges of the paper. Yeah. And that's, you know, very low quality, high acidic paper. So anyway, those are the basic conclusions that were come to that she came to in writing this article. And I thought it was really interesting because I thought of myself as an advanced collector that knew a little bit about this stuff, and I learned things that I'd been doing that was wrong. So. What's the date on it so that we can... Uh... This is the newest issue, um, March 2023. Okay, so March 2023, hmm. if you join the APS, you'll make sure one. that you get this one, Put because you know otherwise you'll get the April one. But the March one, that's really good. Second thing, we cannot, I cannot stress enough that the membership in the APS, like I always say, your punishment for not being an APS member is that you're not an APS member. And with that, happy collecting. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh, well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this Silcom was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! <laughs> Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.